what is my subject this morning? Well, books have been written about it. Multitudes have tried to explain it. Sermons have been preached on it. It's been misunderstood. It's been misrepresented. It's been misinterpreted. We don't deserve it. It's impossible to earn it. We can never repay it. Yet it reaches down to the depths and lifts a man or a woman to the heights, to the highest heaven. God gives it. We can all receive it. What is it? What is it? What is it? Can it? Grace. Somebody said it. It's grace. And that's what my subject is this morning, divine grace. And I want to read to you from the second chapter of Ephesians. That's Ephesians chapter 2. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as, other, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. <coughs> now this particular subject, grace, has been something that has been, uh, as I've said before, it's been misinterpreted, it's been misrepresented, it's been misunderstood. And the Greek word here is... It's a, it's a word called charis, which is spelled C-H-A-R-I-S. And we find it in the New Testament no fewer than 155 times. And out of those 155, 133 were actually written by uh, the Apostle Paul, who has been called the Apostle of Grace. An acrostic of grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. And I don't know whether you noticed the, um, the text that was on the screen before we, uh, before we started our service this morning. Uh, it was uh, in Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. And it says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, 
Yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus left the splendor of heaven to come to earth on a rescue mission just over 2,000 years ago. And notice it says in that particular verse that it was for our sakes. Jesus came to rescue you and me, to be able to set us free from all our sin when we call upon him, when we believe on him. So it wasn't for his own sake. His mission was totally unselfish. His mission was to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. But also he knew that his earthly mission would end upon a cross. And it was necessary for Jesus to come to earth. Why? Because of man's sinfulness. So that he could help us and so that he could set us free from the bondage of sin. And not just from the bondage of sin and set us free from the power of sin, but also to free us from the condemnation of sin and the consequences of our sin, which are eternal. And that is the only remedy for man's sin. The only way for man to live forever is by trusting in Jesus Christ. There is no other way. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. Now, if we, uh, if we go into the, the book of Philippians and chapter 2, and verse 5, it says this. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So Jesus, when he came to earth, he never came to a palace, but he came to a stable. And there is a, a, a song that is going around at the moment. And one of the lines is, from your throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. Jesus came from heaven. Jesus came from the splendor of heaven to this sin-cursed earth. He grew up in a small village of Nazareth and he worked, into, he worked in a carpenter's shop until he was 30 years, age, 30 years of age. And then he began his earthly ministry. And it was Jesus who said that foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And that was what it was like for Jesus. 
he didn't have any permanent home. And that is the equivalent of the richest person in the world giving up their luxurious lifestyle in a place like Florida or Barbados and going to live in a famine-stricken country. And that's what Jesus did. Why? That you, through his poverty, might become rich. <coughs> and of course, we're not talking about riches in this world's eyes. Because riches in this world's eyes will pass away. So it doesn't matter how much we possess... It doesn't matter what kind of property we live in. It doesn't matter what the bank balance is at this moment in time. One day we will leave it behind. We know that for sure. Someone says that the death rate is very impressive. It's one in one. <laughs> I heard a, a little story about two ladies who were having a conversation and the one said to the other I, uh, the, um, the richest man in the village has passed away and the other, the other lady turned to her and said how much did he leave and the reply was he left it all <laughs> and so we're not talking about the riches of this world in James 2 and verse 5 it says has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith those who belong to Christ are rich beyond measure for they possess that which money cannot buy love joy Peace, contentment, and eternal life, and much more beside. And so I want to suggest to you this morning, my first point is that grace is undeserved. It's nothing to do with merit. It's nothing to do with demerit. But the Bible makes it very, very clear that grace is free. We read there in the uh, in, in, in Ephesians that we are saved by grace. We are saved by grace, and that is through faith. And even the faith is not of ourselves. Even the faith to believe. <coughs> The Apostle Paul says there in that particular verse, he says, it's not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, and not of works, lest anyone should boast. So we don't actually deserve the grace of God, but he bestows, upon, he bestows it upon us anyway. His love and his mercy, without the slightest limitation. Now, some of you know the story of the, um, the well-known hymn, Amazing Grace. It was written by a man called John Newton, who was involved in the slave trade. 
And one day he was on a voyage and with, you know, with all the slaves and a storm, a storm broke out. And uh, John Newton was afraid. He was afraid that, that he was going to lose his life. And he called out to the Lord. And he says, Lord, if you'll save me, Lord, if you will, if you'll deliver me from this storm, then uh, then I will I will change my ways. And it turns out that it was not just an idle boast. You know, it wasn't just a desperation that when everything got back to normal, you know, he'd forget about what he said to God. But we find here that he actually called upon the Lord in his need. And God answered him and the storm ceased. And John Newton began to seek after God and he, he got converted and he became a Christian. And he wrote that wonderful hymn, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And that hymn has been sung for hundreds of years. In the second century, a critic of Christianity by the name of Cesus said this. He said, the idea of God-loving sinners is unheard of in any other religion. And that's right, isn't it? Absolutely right. Because many other religions, they say, be good. Get your act together. And, per and perhaps God may accept you. But Christianity says something entirely different. The message of the gospel is God accepts you just as you are. You come to Jesus exactly as you are. When we think of uh, Billy Graham, we always think about that hymn that, he, that, the, that the choir used to sing when he gave the appeal at the end of his message. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And as thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. You come just as you are. You see, many of the other religions, they're like a ladder. You've got to get yourself, you've got to, you've got to make, you've got to make sure that you live according to their teaching. And then you've got to, and then you've got to get to God. You've got to make your own way to God. But with Christianity, God came to us. He came to us in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. So we don't have to climb the ladder. We just have to receive him and invite him into our lives to be our Lord and our Savior. And then we, we don't deserve, although we don't deserve his love and forgiveness. You know, there is a song called Only a Sinner Saved by Grace. And... Um, I, uh, it's, it, it was written by the Gaithers. Some of you know the American couple, Bill and Gloria Gaither. And they've written some lovely songs. And, and I, I just thought I'd bring these words to you. And, and, this is the, um, and this is the words of that particular song. It's called Just a Sinner Saved by Grace. Because there are two classes of people here this morning. 
those who are sinners and those who are sinners saved by grace. It's really as simple as that. How could I boast of anything I've ever seen or done? How could I dare to claim as mine the victories God has won? Where would I be had God not brought me gently to this place? I'm here to say I'm nothing but a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. When I stood condemned to death, he took my place. Now I live and breathe in freedom with every breath of life I take. Loved and forgiven and bound for heaven. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm glad that the grace of God reached down to where I was. Because if I'd have had to get to where he was, I would never have made it. And you would never have made it. But God made it possible for you to be saved by his grace. And so grace is undeserved. Grace is also unearnable. There's nothing we can do to merit it. You know, there is a true saying, isn't there? And uh, you've probably heard it said many times that you, you don't get out for naught in this world. And somebody also said that if, you know, if something is, is too good to be true, then it probably is. And we are a little bit sceptical about that. Well, if somebody's giving you something for nothing... You know, they. I, I remember when uh, when I used to be in secular work, and and they'd say there was no such thing as a free lunch. If someone was taking you out to lunch, then it would be, uh, you know, to try and uh, generate some business for the company. And so we think like that sometimes. Well, there must be a catch. Can't be true. Can't be true. Can't be right. And we can be fooled into thinking that God's approval depends on how well we perform, how good we are, how well we live. But in fact, that's not the case at all, because we find that God's grace is free. His salvation is free. There's no catch in it. He says, if you will come to me, then I will save you. He says, if you will come to me, then I will give you love and joy and peace. If you come to me, I will cancel out your sin. I will wipe the slate clean and I will give you a new life. I will give you a better life. And not only that, I'll give you a place in heaven for the whole of eternity. Some might say it's too good to be true. I want to tell you, my friend, this morning, it's too good not to be true. <laughs> in the early church, we find that the Christians in Galatia, they started well in grace. They accepted the message. But they decided that the continuation of God's grace depended on their own input. And we've, Mark went through the Galatian epistle in great detail and uh, of course we came across this you who attempt to in 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 galatians 5 and verse 4 you who attempt to be justified by law you have fallen from grace 
That's what the Galatian church did. They thought they got to add to their salvation. They were saying, well, well, it's not, it's not quite enough. Grace is not quite enough. We need to do this. We need to do that. We need to observe the law if, we, if we're going to continue in salvation. You see, if it were possible for mankind to earn salvation, then it would have been unnecessary for Jesus to die on the cross. It would have been unnecessary for the atonement. It says in that verse in, in verse 8, And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now we tend to watch quite a bit of um, <clears throat> Revelation TV. I know there's some off the wall, I suppose I could describe them as off the wall channels, or supposed to be Christian channels on, uh, on, on, on TV, but a lot of those channels, they, they're certainly not worth spending the time of day on them. Because some of them are so way out that it's unbelievable, really. But uh, we do watch quite a bit of, um, of Dr. Charles Stanley, who rec has recently passed away. And, uh, and some of his teaching is, is really good. And he made this, this statement. He, he said, salvation is the work of God's grace by which... He pardons us of our sins and bestows upon us the gift of eternal life. And that is true. Salvation is only by grace and cannot be earned. So it's undeserved. And it's also, grace is also unrepayable. Salvation is God's perfect son paying the price for your sin. The Bible is clear that we've only been forgiven through God's grace. The scripture tells us that as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. For those of us who know the Lord, that is how far our transgressions have been removed from us. When we become Christians, we have a desire to serve the Lord. But that doesn't mean to say that that's to repay his grace or win his approval. We're not, a, we're not attempting to, um, to balance the credit and the debit sheet. We are under obligation to follow and to obey God's laws. And Christian living means that when we that when we receive God's grace, that we should also extend that grace to other people. You see, if someone has offended us, then that grace needs to be extended to those pe those pe persons. You see, when, if we accept God's grace as a gift, something that we don't have to earn, then there may be someone who we need to forgive. And we might say, well, they don't deserve to be forgiven because of what they said to me or because of what they've done. They don't deserve any grace. 
But what? But if we if we take that attitude, then then what we're saying is that we that we really don't deserve God's grace, but he, He's given it us anyway, and so we need to make sure that we extend that grace to other people. Jesus tells us in Matthew 18 how to deal with offences, and that's the way we should do it: follow the biblical pattern. You see, we're already accepted. We might be unworthy. But God's love does not depend on what we do or what we are, but what Christ is. And we trust in the finished work of the cross. We believe that when Jesus died on the cross, that he paid the penalty for our sin. Every sin that we've ever committed, past, present, future, was paid for when Jesus went to the cross and when he gave his life for you and for me. You see, we can reject God's love and we can, but we can never stop the inflow. We can never stop God from loving us. We used to <laughs> sing, the, the, I, I can remember when I, when I used to do uh, schools work in the assemblies, and one of the songs that they used to sing was, you can't stop God from loving you. And you can't. No matter what you do, you cannot stop God from loving you. So grace, it's undeserved. It's unearnable. It's unrepayable. Our part is to receive it. Now, saving grace is trusting in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. And if there is anyone here this morning, now, as I look at the congregation, I see a, a lovely company of people. And I know that most of you, you know the Lord as your own personal saviour. You came to a place in your life where you asked him to be your saviour and your Lord. And your life has been changed as a result of making that decision. But there may be somebody here this morning and you've never, ever called out to the Lord. You've never actually received Jesus as your own personal saviour and you need his grace. Now, you know, when when someone gives you a gift, sometimes you feel obliged, don't you? Somebody buys you something for Christmas. And you think, well, well I, I really ought to buy them something as well. You know, I really ought to, to reciprocate. But, you know, there's nothing that we can do to reciprocate God's grace. There's nothing at all that we need to do because God says you're saved by grace. It is yours. That is your gift. And we receive it from God. Have you received the gift of God's grace? Have you received God's salvation? We may be unworthy, but God grants to us that gift. The gift, of, the, the gift of salvation and the gift of grace. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you this morning for your grace. We want to thank you that it reaches to us wherever we are. It reaches down to us in our needs. We thank you, Lord, because through your gift of grace and through the sacrifice of your dear son 
we can be saved, not only for time, but for eternity. And so, Lord, I just pray that if there is anyone in this building this morning who doesn't know you as Lord and Saviour, that they will call upon your name and they will receive your gift of grace so that they might know you, they might love you, they might serve you, and so that one day they might live with you in heaven for all eternity. And Lord, for us who are safe, for those who know you as Lord and Saviour, then Lord, help us to appreciate afresh your wonderful grace, the grace that saved a wretch like each one of us and gave us that wonderful gift. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.